Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Hey, League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. This episode, we actually recorded as a part of one of our weekly pack meets, which we do as a part of our 21-day challenges, which are free, by the way. And if you're not familiar, these are hosted in the Wild Gym, League of Wildness, private Facebook group. If you're not familiar, there's a link to it on our website, so you can go to wildgym.com, scroll down a little bit, you'll see the link to our private Facebook group. We're in the middle of the challenge right now, but no worries. You can still join the group, get the vibe, and even join the last couple weeks of the challenge. And I, I sent Kim, shout out to Kim, Wild Kim of the North. I sent Kim some topics based on a podcast I had listened to the day before, which was on the Modern Wisdom podcast, and it was featuring Dr. Kelly Starrett. And he just released a new book called Built to Move. It's by... Kelly and Juliet Starrett, husband, wife, team. But Kelly's been around for years, I would say even decades now. Really started deep in the CrossFit community and has kind of expanded outside of that. But they just released this new book. And the topics that they were discussing on this podcast, they were just so, there were so many parallels with what we talk about at Wild Gym. And so I sent Kim some topics and we went, we went deep for this pack meet. So we recorded it. We thought it'd be great to share on the Live Wild or Die podcast as well for those of you that did not catch the pack meet. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. I was, uh, I think it was, it was yesterday. I went for a ruck. So, so we got the new samples for the ruck backpack. So essentially it's just each time, th- these are based on the edits and most of the changes we made when I was in Vietnam. It's freaking awesome. Kim, I'll, uh, I'll give you a walkthrough offline and uh, League of Wildness, stay tuned. We'll, we'll get you guys into that as well. But so I took that out Monday for the first like real test, 40 pound ruck. It feels so good. It just, the best way I can describe it is the weight feels distributed more across your entire torso than just your shoulders. You certainly feel it on your shoulders, but it's, it's so much different than just, you know, kind of the classic backpack design with the weight on your shoulders. It just, it distributes it across your body in a totally different way. So super psyched. Valerie, what's happening? Welcome to the party. But so I, uh, I was out testing the new prototype and I was listening to Kelly Starrett on the Modern Wisdom podcast talking about his new book. And Kim, I sent you some topics for that, but I just found it, it was one of those things where he literally said a few things that we say from Wild Gym, or we say at Wild Gym, I should say. Not exactly the same, but basically the same concept. But um, yeah, I just want to dive into those because I thought they're so relevant to kind of what we're doing. And he's really getting down into these first principles, which again, I think I think we're doing that with these challenges and just, just wild gym as a whole. So nice. I'm excited. I picked up his book, but I haven't started it yet. So now I'm even more excited to read it. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's really getting down. It's less of like, you know, you should do three sets of 15 push-ups at this cadence. And it's more of, it's more almost, I would say almost lifestyle based. 
Sure. Yeah, I, I kind of looked through like the table of contents and that's what it seemed to. It was interesting because yeah. yeah, there's so much stuff in there that we always talk about, like you said. Yeah. But I'm just going to go through kind of the topics I presented and then we can riff on it from there. And, and, and League, we'll, uh, we'll be checking it. We got Rager, the wild man. Uh, League, we'll check into the comments. So keep shouting out our way and we'll, uh, we'll go back and forth. But so the first, the first thing listening to this podcast made me think of was essentially when did or when does health and fitness become something that you have to consciously think about and plan? And I'm, I was kind of contrasting that to, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, it's not like you're, you're doing these prescribed training programs. When you're a kid, you just want to move around and play and you, you kind of want to do as much as you possibly can. So it's essentially it's. When did sports and play transition to workouts? I think for me, it was probably a bit earlier than most. Like I always loved our fitness. Like we did the presidential fitness test in school. And so my sister and I would have like fitness contests at home with like pull-ups and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we did it, but it was more for fun. It was like the competition aspect, not like exercise or health. For me, it was probably not until college. I think for a lot of people, it's high school because you get into those structured sports and then you're given like cross training workouts and stuff. Like in the nineties, when I was in high school, like the girl, girl sports were not taken very seriously. Like we didn't have access to the weight room. We didn't do any kind of cross training. It was just kind of like girls did sports for fun and that Mm. was it. So it wasn't really until college when I had access to like a full gym and then I would go with friends. And actually started like learning how to build workouts and stuff, you know, and then you get from like full-time college into full-time work and then it kind of falls apart from there. <laughs> why was there like, why weren't girls allowed to go in the gym or the weight room? What was it? I don't, the, the weight room, like, like when we did gym class, we would get like two weeks of the year to like learn how to use the equipment. But then like there was never open use. You couldn't like sign up and then go use the weight room. It was only used when coaches booked the time for their athletes. So the hockey team used it, the football team used it, the basketball team used it, but only the boys. Like, I don't know if that was a coach thing. Like the coaches for the girls teams just didn't think we needed it. Or if it was like just a policy thing. Or, or what exactly. But yeah, we were just like, we never did any kind of cross training and stuff. Like our first two weeks of, of sports would be kind of like boot camp because you're coming out of, you know, summer vacation, not doing the structured running and obstacle courses and stuff. And that's what we would kill ourselves the first two weeks. Totally. Trying to catch up. Totally. Yeah, I guess for me, it was, I'll never forget. I had this book because I loved hockey. My, my goal from a very, I think I was in fourth grade when I started playing like my first hockey team it was roller hockey. And, uh, that's all I want to do. And that's like, I was obsessed. So I, I would like, I convinced my parents to get me some books and one was conditioning for hockey. And I remember like literally in fourth grade during, you know, it was SSR silent sustained reading. Do you remember that? No, what you guys called it. In uh, elementary school, it was, I think it was yeah, it was SSR, silent sustained reading. Hmm. Yeah, no, I might have missed that by a few years. <laughs> the only reading goal I remember having is is if you read enough books, you got pizza from Pizza Hut. Nice. <laughs> uh, um, 
so I'm, I'm like reading this conditioning for hockey book. And then, you know, I was, it was fourth or fifth grade. I installed a pull-up bar in my doorway and I would do all these exercises, run sprints up and down my parents' stairs and just, you know, mainly body weight. I did break into my parents, like little dumbbell set and use those. And I think my, I think my, I think my dad had gotten my mom like an ab crunch machine for Christmas, which I don't know if that's uh, the best idea for anyone to do with their significant other. But uh, anyhow, I, I like tore that thing up. I use that thing all the time. But um, I guess what I would say was different then and really all even through high school and college was it was always a sports performance approach versus like a health and fitness approach, which I think there's certainly some crossover, but there's definitely some difference as well as if you go too far on the performance side, it can, can be a definite or a real detriment to health and wellness, which I, I'd say I'm, I still do care about performance, but it's certainly performance within the context of health and wellness. So just entering, interesting how that's evolved over time. Yeah, you just reminded me that when I was like nine or 10, I got this, it was totally an 80s thing. I got it for Christmas, made a whole series of them that was called Get in Shape Girl. That was like this like series of workouts that came with these little tiny ankle weights and like a jump rope. Okay. And so I would I would do it at night, like I couldn't sleep at night. So I'd be like doing jump rope and sit-ups and stuff in my bedroom at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Using that my little little set of turquoise bright green workout equipment <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> okay so so again i'm listening to this podcast and these are just thoughts i'm having in response to it so it's again it's kelly sarrett and chris the host of modern wisdom but then i'm like all the stuff they're describing the question i have on my mind is how much of the modern elements we're currently experiencing how much of these would be solved by simply spending more time outside or it's maybe not even solving, but at least assuaging them a bit. And then Kim, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on what specifically would be the most dramatic solution or what would have the most dramatic effect. I, oh, I had a hard time with this question. Cause there's just so much, like, I feel like I could do a whole Friday email just based on this question. Well, we're, we're waiting for it. <laughs> um, like, I guess the, the basic thing for me is I like, like when I'm inside, I can easily like sit on the couch or whatever and hours will go by. I don't even know what happens to them, but they disappear <laughs> if I'm watching TV or just on Facebook or whatever. Like when I'm outside, like I enjoy the occasional like lazy afternoon in the hammock with a good book. But for the most part, if I'm outside, I'm moving. Like I don't just like go outside and just sit there. Like my my step count in the non-winter compared to winter is like three times as much just because I'm outside all the time. Mm. And it's like, I'm not necessarily, you know, going for a hike or whatever. I'm just at home in the yard, but there's always something to do. And so I'm just, I'm always on my feet. I'm always busy. And that that is probably the, the biggest thing for me is just, I can't help but be moving when I'm outside. And so my movement is way, way higher in the basically anything that's not winter. So like March to November, maybe. Right, right. No, I remember you talking about before and it makes, it makes total sense. 
There's a comment real quick. I'm going to backtrack just a second here. Zachary had commented. He said, there seems to be a stigma against big buff women because they look, quote, too manly. And then he followed that up with, or that weightlifting will immediately make you big and buff. Yeah, that's so fascinating because I've heard that when I was personal training a lot. And when I first moved to Boulder and even before that, it was, there was like this stigma, as Zachary mentioned, against like, well, I don't want to bulk up. And I'd heard, I would hear that from both men and went, what? I would hear that from both men and women, which I always thought was fascinating. Cause like, there's a lot of guys and gals in the gym trying to put on weight that are in their like muscle mass that they're training hard. And it's, it's not as easy as um it may seem. And I, I, I suspect yeah. that media and um, honestly, steroids probably makes uh makes it seem like you touch a weight and you, you explode. Yeah. yeah. And I still see that. Like, it's one of those myths I kind of always thought would start to die, but I still see it a lot in like, especially women's spaces for fitness. And it's like, it doesn't happen by accident. It takes so much work. It's so much nutrition. It's like, you don't just go to the gym and come out like, you know, she hulkers. <laughs> it takes so much work. Yeah. My, uh, my wife's been doing a lot more weightlifting, just, you know, kind of classic barbell movement, squats, deadlifts, presses, things like that. And awesome. I tell her, I'm like, you look good. Like she, she's always looked good. Don't get me wrong, but she just, um, she's really kind of seeing like what that, and it's been consistent too for a couple of years now. And she's always been athletic. She's always been active, but I think um, her and it, it's a this it's a group of women they they go to and train at this particular gym and these ladies get after it. it's super cool but um awesome. yeah I just it's I'm glad to see and you know I have two daughters so I'm glad to see that that shift is happening which by the way it's so Henley I have video of this I'll post in the group so I, I was in my garage working out Henley grabs two ten pound. I'm not struggling to speak today. Henley grabs two 10 pound bumper plates and farmer carries them like 200 meters, like all the way nice. down to the alley. It was pretty impressive. That's like, you know, that's, I'm guessing she doesn't weigh more than 30 pounds. So that's, you know, two thirds her body weight. Crazy. It was, it was cool. That's awesome. And Danny, Danny just uh, chimed in. Shout out to Danny, by the way. She said, actually, last summer I backed off working out so much because I was feeling self-conscious about being too bulky. Interesting. So there's certainly a stigma for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, I get that that exists. And I hope that over as the, as the conversation and, you know, one thing I heard Kelly Surrett said on this podcast as well was the industrial fitness complex, which we for sure have said that in the past. I love that term because it is, you know, it's kind of predicated on a lot of like guilt and shame and self-loathing and all this stuff, which, man, that's just, you know, maybe you can get people to buy your special 30-day program or whatever from that, but it just doesn't seem like there's going to be a long-term net benefit of that for both the individual and society, you know. Okay. Moving moving down the line. 
So, and I, I guess I never addressed kind of my thoughts. So the the question was how much how much of the modern elements would be solved by spending more time outside? What specifically would be the most dramatic solution, or what would have the most dramatic effect? You know, what I've noticed for myself, it's I, I would answer with two things. One is the sun exposure. I think that just helps so much with my circadian rhythm. I suspect it's getting vitamin D levels up. You know, um, I just feel better when I get a lot of sunlight, particularly early morning and afternoon. And then it's been the walking, like whether that's rucking, walking, or like I would say zone two running where it's, you know, essentially you can have a conversation at that particular level intensity. Those to me, I'm doing all those outside. And when I do that regularly and consistently, like I tend to eat better, I sleep better. It's kind of everything else organizes around that, you know. Okay. Actually, I'm gonna check into comments here real quick. <laughs> yeah, so Zachary. So Zachary said it's more about this is in regards to like the industrial fitness complex. It's more about how you look, not how you feel. What he his point being that's the fitness selling point, mm -hmm. which uh, we one phrase we used to have I think it was on our packaging at one point but we care about experiences more than uh, experiences not appearances which I always like that. But moving on, so Kim, why do we have why do we have to? Th this is what blows my mind, or this is kind of what trips me out a little bit is like. Why do we have to do so much to counteract this kind of quote human zoo we've created? So why do we need to read all these books, have these apps, these websites, coaches, all these things to tell us what to do that would be more or less kind of natural if we didn't live in a man-made environment? I think it has to do with a couple of different things. I, I, I spent a lot of time in like outdoor forums and subreddits and stuff. And, you know, ever since, like, we moved indoors permanently, like, indoors used to just be where we came to maybe eat sometimes and <laughs> get protection from the elements. But otherwise, we were outside a lot until, you know, even, like, 40, 50 years ago, like, 40% more jobs were physically active jobs compared to now. So you've got, like, the permanent housing thing and then the modern job thing were big parts of it but like ever since we've like removed ourselves from any kind excuse me kind of challenge in the environment like to we now think it's scary like people are afraid to go hiking they're afraid to go walking they're like spending time outside like people don't know what to do with that time and once they figure it out they're afraid to go which I find ironic because I think if I remember right, the statistics is one of the most dangerous things is people just falling in their houses, you know, falling on the <laughs> stairs, falling in the bathtub. So it's actually more risky to be inside than it is right. to be outside. Right, right. Well, yeah, what's that? It's um, it's essentially falling is what kills. If you kind of reverse engineered it, falling is what kills more people than, yeah. I don't know, a lot of things. Mainly because you end up in the hospital, you get pneumonia and... Yeah. What it makes me think of, and again, this is all these thoughts and questions are, they were 
born from listening to this podcast with Kelly Surrett. What it made me, do you know the parable of the fisherman? And I can do a, I can do a kind of a concise version. So the parable of the fisherman is there's this businessman from New York. He's in Mexico. He's on the dock. He sees a fisherman kind of taking in his day's catch and he stops and chats with the guy. And he's like, man, he, this, this New Yorker is telling this, this guy in Mexico, this fisherman, like, you know, if you hired more people and had a whole fleet, you could, you know, scale up and make tons of money and all this stuff. And, uh, the fisherman kind of looks at him and goes, well, actually I forgot a key component. Let me start over. I apologize. New Yorkers in Mexico is talking to the fisherman on the dock. It's asking him about his day. And the fisherman goes, you know, I go, I catch what I need. And then I go sip wine, play guitar and hang out with my friends. You know, life is good. And the, New the New Yorker goes, well, you know, have you ever thought about like how huge you could scale your business and you could have an entire fleet and hire people and make millions of dollars. And then you could take the company public and then you could retire and be set for life. And the fisherman asks the New Yorker, he goes, well, and then what would I do? And the New Yorker goes, well, then you can go fishing, sip wine and play guitar and hang out with your friends. So it was, it was this kind of like full circle thing. Right. But it's, I feel like we're, there's an analogy or it's synonymous a little bit with, or not synonymous, it's, there's a parallel with kind of like the health and fitness, I guess, movement, you could call it, but how do you, how do you kind of bring back these things that were natural that have been eliminated, or at least there's obstacles to those things with kind of the modern world? Yeah, it. I find it a really interesting topic. Like it's, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with your other question about reconciling, you know, modern life. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, so the question is, how do you reconcile the benefits of modernity, modernity with living in a way that doesn't require special programs to fix all the consequences of essentially desk work, right? There's all these physical consequences of desk work. I would say both physical and psychological. And that, that I think the podcast, the podcast I posted last week about 4,000 hours really dives into that. But it's like, how do you rectify those two things? Yeah. And like, I think, I mean, one of the best things we can do is like, is the kind of stuff that they do on like the thousand hours outdoor podcast with kids. You know, I think it kind of has to start with kids. Like once you are in like fully in that modern world, like it's really uncomfortable stepping out of it. You know, and I see that with my kids, like I grew up doing just a lot of outdoor stuff, but then when I got to be like 13, the Nintendo came along and then I went to college and the internet came along and so, like, I had to go back to figuring out where it went. You know, it's like, this is, like, I was just not happy anymore. You know, it's like I had all this stuff, but none of it was, you know, leading to me feeling, like, more content or whatever in life. And it's like, so we ended up moving back here. And so I thought, oh, this is great. You know, my kids, my oldest was 12. So our kids were 12, 6, and then just a baby at the time. And I thought they can grow up 
you know, the way I did. And the oldest kind of ran with it. Like he was off and running, making snowshoes out of pine branches and stuff. Like he loved like making shelters and stuff in the woods and knife throwing. Like he was into all that stuff. My middle one though, he, he was like, did like, he was really happy when he got to be old enough and not forced to do the outdoor stuff anymore. (laughs) It was not his thing. But like all of them are, you know, they're pretty firmly entrenched in their, you know, their devices and their games and their online world. And boy, it's hard to get out of it once you're back into it, you know, and it's like, I think at least for some people like those kind of like, even if you do your own, I don't even actually know if there's like an actual program out there, but like, you know, like, like, uh, like a rewilding kind of a program, you know, even Mm. if you design your own about how to incorporate that stuff again, because so much of it's automatic, you know, so much of what we do every day is just automatic, but we can change what those automations are. So we can include more outside time in that. And then it's just as much a part of our day as like brushing our teeth has gotten to be. Right. That makes total sense. I, I was out, uh, last week we had a, kind of a mini epic just man boulder's so crazy because you know you're looking at town you can see denver when you're just in the mountains or outside of boulder but it's it can definitely kill you quick if you're not paying attention mm-hmm. but uh we i mean we were climbing up this gully and this ice fall washed through like i mean a couple minutes i mean it would have taken us out for sure it's just one of those things like you know close one i guess we were totally fine when it went out, but these this this ice fall melted out. And this was in the afternoon. It was kind of the shady overhang and uh just totally ripped through this gully we had just been in like a couple of minutes before. So that was one of those like wake up moments. But before before that happened, we were talking about I think the book is called Dopamine Nation. Have you heard of that? No. I think that's what it's called. I'll I'll have to double check, but my buddy, shout out to the wild man, Michael Butts. We we're uh, he's describing this book, and it's it's basically how, you know, the human brain is has this dopamine reward system. So that in nature, you find berries, you have a successful hunt, you get this rewarding feeling, right? So you keep doing it. It's a survival mechanism makes total sense. The problem is that there's so many ways. There's basically unlimited access to that dopamine hit now, which mainly through yeah. like devices, video games, sweet food, all these things. It kind of makes, you can almost describe that predilection from a evolutionary perspective of people not wanting to go outside because maybe it's a little harder, or at least maybe there's not, you don't have the same unlimited limited access to dopamine essentially, which I'd never thought about it that way, but hearing what you just described, it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it tends to be one of those, or at least it seems to be one of those things where it's kind of circular, you know, like you get more desire to do those things by doing them, but you have to take the step to go do them the first time, you know, and I, and I think that it can be harder to recognize just because people are constantly getting like the, the little tiny hits of dopamine from like being on, you know, swiping their phones and stuff. (laughs) Right. Right. Let's see here. We got some solid comments. Andrea, shout out. Glad to have you on the live. Uh, Nathan, appreciate the love, my man. 
<laughs> he said, Nathan, I'm not going to read your whole comment, but uh, he said, it's almost like wild gym church able to get together weekly and just talk about <laughs> what has been good or bad about your personal workout life that week. Thanks a lot, my man. I appreciate it. Andrea said she's been doing the thousand hours outside challenge. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Kim, you, you were the first person to turn me onto that. That's because it's, it's three, is it three hours a day essentially? Yeah. And she actually has like a whole chart for people who live in like cold climates where maybe you can't spend three hours and she breaks it down to how you can do it like per month if you live in a colder climate. So yeah, her, her aim is three hours a day, which at the end of year comes to just over a thousand, but she's also scaled it for other climates too, which is really nice. Yeah. I love that. That'd be fun to do a, uh, yeah, something along those lines. Dawn, wild grandma, Dawn, every chance she gets, she takes her grandkids outside for adventure. That's, you know, I had a similar, that was my, uh, my maternal grandfather. So my mom's dad, he was kind of the one that when I think back to it, had that, we def definitely had the like wildest experiences going, you know, deep sea ocean fishing and uh, hiking, camping, fishing, mainly a lot of fishing up in the North coast of California, which it's rugged up there. It's, it's not as warm as you picture, like, you know, sunny Southern California and it's just rugged and wild. Oh, Valerie, love it. So Valerie says her preschool is nature-based. We're outside all the time. Anything I can teach inside can also be taught outside. Love it. We, uh, awesome. our oldest daughter goes to nature preschool and they're, you know, they're outside all day and they'll, the teachers will send us little pictures and videos of it's so fun. Just watching them, their mind, you can see the mind just kind of explore on its own. It's so fun. I keep seeing Kim, I'm, this is a little off topic, but I keep seeing there was the happiest places in the world poll or whatever in Finland, I believe was mm. number one, yep. but I keep clicking on all the articles and they're all paywall blocks. So I haven't really got oh. to read any. <laughs> Yeah, there's more and more of those. They're hard to get around. Yeah, man. Have you, is there anything you've seen or, because I know you have some ancestry in that. Yeah, the they, a lot of it, you know, just comes down to kind of their, like their um, benefits that they get in terms of, you know, they try to equal out people's pay a lot more so that there's more resources for stuff that's taxable. So some of it comes from their, like, social programs um like they don't pay for college mm. and things like that um they do a lot of outdoor stuff like here I, I think you know looking worldwide i think actually in the u.s we do pretty well we have a lot of public land you know that we yeah, can access that's true. um other countries don't don't have the same but like in finland like it's the way that they view it isn't just that well if you happen to have time it's nice to go outside it's kind of like they actually build outdoor time into like the rights of the people that live there you know like people have even on private land like private land doesn't exist there the way that it does here like you can forage and fish on private land in Finland. It's considered a courtesy to ask if you can spend the night, but you don't actually have to. Like trespassing isn't really a thing. For sure. Oh, like you can fish, you can forage, 
you know, and, th and there's some of that stuff you don't even need like licenses for at a basic level. Like if you're going to go fishing to get some fish for dinner, you can just do that. You don't have to pay to do it. And so there's a lot of that built in. So I, I, I'm sure that that definitely plays a part because it's like just built into their society that everybody spends time outside. Right, right. Yeah, it's... <sighs> When I uh, spent time in Lofoten, that's northern Norway, I definitely got that sense of it. it's just the best way I could describe it is there there wasn't this barrier of like, oh, we're going on a hike or it was just more instinctual, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. It just was something you did and everyone did. And what there's a I can't I can never pronounce it, but it's like all all men or it translates that Scandinavian term for it's all man or every man's land, I think is the yeah, translation, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. This it's, it's, uh, I guess the thought is like in the U S you know, private property and trespassing is very much ingrained into, uh, mm -hmm. society. So it's just, it's interesting to see how two totally different concepts I guess you could say they work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think ways. here, like outdoor time or like recreation is still considered, it's pretty privileged. You know, you have to be able to get time off of work. You have to be able to travel for most people. You know, you have to be able to buy gear, which gets really expensive. Even if you only do one outdoor hobby, the gear for that can get crazy expensive. Right. You know, so it's like, for us, it's more something we do like a vacation and for them it's just built into their everyday you know it's not really a privileged thing even though I'm sure it still is to some degree for some people but it's it's like it, it to me it feels kind of the same as like when we look at it at something and we're like is it something we get to do or something we have to do right you right. know it's like for us it might be two weeks a year versus you know they're doing it almost every day totally Zachary just made a really good Zachary you're on it my man the face of wildness is on fire today but basically he said to spend a lot of time outdoors he it's saying you must you it's kind of like you have to either be a poor person or a vagrant and what that makes me think of is this comes from I believe I can't remember who said this it was Yvonne Chouinard. It's a quote. I'm pretty sure it was from a climber, but it was at either end. Or no, I think it was John Krakauer, maybe. But it's mm -hmm. at both ends of the economic spectrum is a leisure class. So meaning kind of like the climber bum is a leisure class. And then the oh, yeah. super wealthy is a, or a leisure class, which I've, I totally have experienced that myself. You know, after college. I worked seasonally as a wilderness ranger, as a wildland firefighter, had, didn't have any debt, lived super cheap, and I wasn't working. I was essentially in the wild doing something. Now, got a mortgage, kids, no car payments, uh, but it's just like, well, the business, of course, that's certainly responsible. There's just, there's so many obstacles to time number one mm -hmm. but uh just that freedom to kind of pick up and go so for most of you listening i relate and stand in solidarity let's see 
Ooh, Nathan. This is another, I, I'm going to read this whole one because I think this is really good. So Nathan's saying you can totally relate. And this was in response to Andrea's comment. Maybe I should read Andrea's comment first. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read Andrea's comment and then I'll, I'll read the response because this is great. I love the interaction, by the way. So Andrea says, I think a huge issue for the U.S. is that being outdoors or walking to get places seems taboo. Like the majority of people have been spoiled by amenities, at least in my experience. She says, I love walking to the stores or parking far and walking, but people think it's so weird. <laughs> All right. And then Nathan's response is, where'd he go? Nathan says, I can totally relate to that. I feel weird walking in our neighborhood, which is very safe, all caps, by the way, carrying nothing but obviously wearing workout attire. Add some dumbbells or a kettlebell to that walk. And I feel like some people would judge, like, what's this guy's deal? I always kind of counteract that with at least I'm finding myself again. So judge away, I suppose. Still feel odd though sometimes. That's why I choose night off and not just being a time thing. Gosh, that's so... That's fascinating for me to hear. And I, I guess I, I can relate even to a degree. It's like, I'm trying to think of, I, I can't think of like a specific instance, but I know there have been times where I'm like on a trail or even at a park working out and I might wait for someone to go by or maybe move away where I'm a little more hidden or as to not wanting to be like super public with it, I guess. But so I totally get it. <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris says they've definitely been getting looks walking with stuff in our hands. <laughs> well, it's the weight vest. When I, you know, we lived in this, we had a townhome in this neighborhood that was surrounded by like, mansions mcmansions essentially so i would walk in this really nice neighborhood with this black weight vest which looks yeah it looks like this bulletproof kind of like tactical vest you know and just people you know but i'm pushing a stroller so it made it that, i think that's what made it okay you know yeah the stroller saved me yeah it's funny the things that people like latch on to it's like sometimes i wonder if you know they're like looking for their own permission to do things their own way like when it's not winter i hike in sandals <laughs> and people are always like, well, you're brave. It's like, well, not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I do it's, I, I trip over my feet less when I wear sandals because I can feel the ground. When I wear my thicker hiking shoes, I'm tripping and stubbing my toes all the time. It actually works out better. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like they scan like... you for anything that's out of place compared to how they do it. And then they have to make a comment on it. Right. Or look at you funny. <laughs> Right. I, I, I suspect there's like an insecurity or, or some, there's like some sort of projection coming from that. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's, it's, yeah, it, it's not a, I guess normal is not the right word, but it doesn't seem like an appropriate reaction. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Okay. This I'm, I'm, I feel like I've asked this before, but I'm curious to hear what's on top of your mind now. So Kim, what single health or fitness practice has had the biggest impact for you in the last year? 
Oh, this was actually the shortest one to answer for me, but probably the hardest because it's so much a big picture thing. But I think for me, it's really comes down to the nutrition. It's like when okay. I aim for that 80% of non-processed foods, it makes the biggest difference. You know, it's like I can tell right away when I've gone too far with stuff I shouldn't be eating. Like it, it has a lot of impacts. It impacts my sleep. It impacts you know, my motivation to get out, you know, it's like when I eat well, I, you know, there's not much I can't manage to get done. And it has the biggest impact for me for sure. Makes total sense. I, uh, to riff off of that, I was, as a guy I follow, I, I believe the handle is elk shape. It's a, it's a hunting, um, I don't, I don't know what you would call him. I guess he's kind of like a hunting influencer i guess um really smart guy very very much on the fitness side thus the elk shape but he was talking about essentially you know if you're trying to lose weight and get in shape it's gonna be really challenging if you don't have your nutrition dialed and a big obstacle to having your nutrition dialed is not being on the same page as spouse significant other partner whoever it is. And, uh, so I was kind of marinating on that for a little while. And I was just, I just had a conversation with my wife last night. And I just, we're, we were starting to get a little too much of like kind of the treats snacks and what, what, what I, for us, it's, you know, it's like cereal is the big thing. If there's cereal in the house, I just can't help myself. So I told her, I was like, Anna, I can't, I can't have it in the house or you need, we can have it, but I, you just got to hide it. Cause I, every time I open the pantry, it's handful, you know, and that kind of trickles down to the girls and all that. And, um, you know, also they, that podcast I've referenced several times now with Kelly Surratt, they, they definitely touch on the nutrition side. I loved what he said about that. It was, um, gosh, I'm going to totally butcher what it was. But it was essentially like there's these first principles that you can achieve through whatever method you want, whether that's kind of a standard kind of quote omnivorous approach, paleo, primal, vegan, carnivore, whatever. You can kind of get all these things, but to to project that anyone is the absolute solution for you know every single person on the planet is just nonsense. It's, it was really refreshing to hear a lot of things he said. Nice. But yeah, I'm totally, I, I agree. I didn't really reflect on what mine would be, but kind of going off the cuff. And I've talked about this in the past, but I was always so focused on like the workout, right? It's, you know, sets, reps, rest, work, rest, intervals, all those things. That's, I was so focused on that, that I overlooked kind of the foundational elements. Time outside. And I guess this would be like, probably more back in college days, which certainly that's changed. Most recently it would be more like the sets reps type of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I really make walking such a priority now. And they talk about the effect of walking a lot in this podcast. And I do notice like when I, I brought out my uh, step tracking Koros watch. And I noticed when I get like, for me, it's that like 10,000 to 12,000 steps. 
I just fall asleep better. Like, I don't know if it's just, you know, you've kind of exercised yourself to a, a high enough degree or what, but for me, that's what's worked really well. What they mentioned in this podcast is I believe it was like 6,000 to 8,000 steps a day is when you start to really see the return on that. More is better to a degree, but like, you know, trying to set your minimum at 12,000, 15,000, 20, that's, that's crazy. Like that, mm-hmm. that kind of six to 10,000 mark seems like a really good place to aim, you know? So that's for me, it's, it's not sexy. It's not fancy. It's just walking. And I would, yeah. I would qualify rucking as walking. So whether I'm walking with weight or not, doesn't matter. I'm yeah. kind of qualifying it's- it the same. Funny, like my my watch, I don't remember what I was using to try. It might have just been my phone tracking my steps when when I've been backpacking, hiking. And they'll be like, you hiked 21,000 steps yesterday. Can you beat that today? I'm like, are you kidding? Right. <laughs> it like just wants you to level up constantly. And it's like, nope. I think the 20,000 yesterday was good enough. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, man, you're killing. Did you see his comment? Yeah. <laughs> so Nathan says, he says, you need those fake boxes, like like novelty money safes that look like a box of Cheez Its or something, but you open it and it's actually like granola or tofu or something. <laughs> Speaking of tofu, my wife, the last maybe three or four weeks, she's made like a tofu stir fry, which I cut up chicken and add to. But, uh, it's good. Like I'm down with it. I think, I think what's again, what they talk about, what Kelly Charette said, which I, I loved hearing is, you know, there was these first principles, protein being a big priority. And it's like, you know, if you're getting your protein, protein requirements with, which he said for active people is going to be about one gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you'd, you're going to need roughly 150 grams of protein, but it's like, however you get that. And if it's working rock and roll, you know, <laughs> I love that though. Uh, let's see here. Ooh. Yep. So patches. Oh, nice. So we got the Morgans. Chris and Monica got their uh, rucking patches stoked. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with how those turned out. And, uh, Chop wood, carry water. We'll get those and route here soon. And actually we'll have to do, we'll do a final call this week for orders. So if you haven't gotten yours, let us know. And we'll, uh, we'll get those things on the way. <laughs> everyone's now everyone's sharing their, uh, their, their kryptonite for what's in the pantry. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. The final. Oh, so I guess in summary, I've thought this for a long time now, but the question I sent to Kim was, how does the idea that going outside is a somewhat profound solution to many modern ailments strike you? Can it really be that simple? My thought was that I think it can, but I think it does depend on what we do with our time. Like you'll still see benefits from going outside, but if you spend 
eight hours a day in the lawn chair with the magazine, it's not going to have the same impact, you know? Like when I was in school, we learned that people were the top of the food chain and everything else was under us, but that's, it's not really true. Like people are really just naked animals. Like we don't have fur or anything, but we're still animals just the same, you know? And it's like, there's, for me, there's a big difference between if I like just go outside to mow the lawn versus if I'm going outside specifically to like spend time in nature, like we can be part of it instead of it just being something that we visit. And I think when we make ourselves part of it, that's where the biggest changes happen just because we're spending more time and that's where you get access to like the microbes that are in the air and all of that stuff. So there's just a whole big picture that's influenced by being outside more. Totally. I think the times that I experience that feeling the most is hunting and rock climbing. Cause both very much for, for very different reasons, but they both draw you into that very deep state of flow where you're, you're only focused on, you know, how is your finger locked in this crack or, you know, what does this track mean? Or did you hear something? Did a branch break? You know, what's the wind doing? You're just, you're so present in the moment. So it's like, that'd be interesting. How does, uh, how does time outside diff? How, how is like the physiological response different when you are outside just walking with no tech, no podcast, no phone, nothing versus if you're outside, you know, thumbing for miles. I just, I'd be curious to understand that. I'm sure it's probably still better than doing it, you know, in a fluorescent lit room, but it'd be interesting to see how that potentially yeah. impacts some of the benefits. So yeah, I just, I just, I find it kind of odd that it's like, you know, I it's like all these scientists around a lab and around the computer and what gets printed out is go outside, you know, it's like, how we, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my Eureka. You know, I just, it's man. I just, that's what blows my mind is it's that rectifying, you know, you, there's so many awesome things, you know, even if you didn't be able to do it right now, it's like, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And thank you scientists. Thank you technology. But it's again, how do you rectify all these benefits with, you know, I guess what's natural. <laughs> oh, Nathan, man, you're, uh, you're on it today. So two, <laughs> two comments, two comments. And then, uh, we've been going, wow, we're almost an hour deep now. This is awesome. Uh, a couple more comments I'll share from the crew and then I'll let Kim announce winners and we'll, we'll keep this momentum flowing. But Let's see here. <laughs> Zachary just noted how common sense is now uncommon sense. <laughs> uh, Monica, I feel that. that. Monica, so Monica says, I like a little of both. Running, then sitting in the beach chair after. That, see, I love that. And I, I've, I've had, I guess, debates with folks about this in the sense of I love I love the beach chair. I love the beer. I love the whatever it is after like a day of climbing, after a day of hiking. Like it just, it makes those things that much better, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, okay. Chris Morgan, 
says, I let, it's like right after COVID, all kinds of crazy exercise gear came out, but the old school podcast taught me the ways. <laughs> Dan's like Yoda. <laughs> Thank you. We, uh, you guys gotta come out to Colorado and we can, Yoda. this was a, a Choma idea, but do Yoda carries up the mountains up here. Which Nog, we missed you Noggins today. Dang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know he's getting ready to open his physical therapy business or gym. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it's a physical therapy or, clinic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Nathan, walking is nicer. This is what Nathan says. He says, walking is nicer, though, with the soothing sounds of Dan's podcast in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's appreciate that. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is fun. Okay. I'm gonna hand it over to Kim. We'll announce winners and then, uh, we've got two more weeks of outdoor wildness and we'll keep, we'll keep the momentum flowing. And Kim and I'll have some announcements probably the next week or two for kind of the vision moving forward. So on that note, Kim, so first things first, um, for this week's um, sub-challenge is going to be a digital diet week. So you would refrain from using your phone or other devices for 10 minutes at least after waking up. And I'll post that in the group afterward on here too. So that is your challenge for next week or for this week. And then for winners, so our winners for the week each receive a $50 gift card and then a copy of our body hardening manual. For the wild winner this week, which is being consistent with getting your workout done every day, the winner this week was Neil McMillan. He actually joined us for a challenge in the summer and then kind of dropped off. And he came back for this one looking for some extra motivation. And he seems to have found it in the carry challenge, which is awesome. Congratulations, wild man. And then for the warrior, the winner is Jennifer Leonard. She's also been with us for a couple of challenges now. Um, she's been hitting her consistency. Um, she's been doing some awesome walks and hikes with her various carry items. And then she also hit her stretching goal. So that was awesome. Congrats, wild one. All right. Anything else we need to mention, Kim? I don't think so. All right. So we'll post, that was my bad last week. So we'll post the sub challenge right now. Many of you may be familiar, but I, I kind of did this for myself, to be honest. It's the digital diet. I noticed such a profound difference in my mental state. If I wake up, grab my phone, look at it before getting out of bed, I just, I like hate myself for doing that, which is intense, but it's, I just don't feel good. I feel like I lost. But the fundamental problem is the phones shouldn't be there in the first place. And that's just, uh, it's a factor of I read on my phone because from the fire, I don't have my Kindle. So I just got to get a Kindle or, or just go back to paperback. Cause I do, there's something about that tactile experience I do enjoy, but man, it, it is also nice. Like whether it's the Kindle phone, I guess it's the Kindle app on my phone, but being able to highlight and just kind of synthesize information is also quite useful. So again, you got to rectify the, the old with the new, but keep on caring, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Much love and keep getting wilder.